Has already been stated, Brother Samuels talked about the revival meetings that begin tomorrow evening. Brother, Brother Daniel Miller's brother, Leon, will be here serving as our evangelist. So I'd like to ask you, what are you expecting this coming week? What are you anticipating? It, will it be an opportunity for drawing closer to the Lord and being strengthened in your inner character? Or will it be an interruption in your schedule? I submit to you that you probably will receive what you're expecting. I found a little paper some time ago that I don't think I've shared here. But if I have, please, I think it bears repeating. It's, it's a little bit hard to follow, so follow carefully. I'll read it pretty slow. But in this reading, it talks about two men, and they found exactly what they were looking for. And I would like to make a parallel uh, as it relates to our revival meetings. The title of this little reading is called The Right Kind of People. Gone is the city, gone the day, yet still the story and the meaning stay. Once were a prophet in the palm shade bask. A traveler chanced at noon to rest his miles. What sort of people may they be, he asked, in this proud city on the plains o'erspread? Well, friend, what sort of people whence you came? What sort, the pikemen scaled, why knaves and fools? You'll find the people here are the same, said the wise man. Another stranger in the dusk grew near. And pausing, cried, What sort of people here in your bright city where yon towers arise? Well, friend, what sort of people whence you came? What sort? The pilgrim smiled. Well, good and true and wise. You'll find the people here the same, the wise man said. Isn't it interesting in this story, there's two men that found exactly what they were looking for. And I think there's a parallel as we think, what are you looking for in these revivals? You'll probably find exactly what you're looking for. You know, as we anticipate these week of re revivals, it's my prayer that we receive Brother Leon and the word that he brings, just like the church in Thessalonica received Paul and his message. So I would invite you to First Thessalonians for a message this morning. 1 Thessalonians, and I'll share the text first. That would be chapter 2, verse 13. As we're thinking about our revival starting tomorrow evening, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So we understand that Brother Leon's coming and he will verbalize the word. He will share with us from the word. But will we think, well, this just came from him? Or do we recognize that in truth it came, this is the word of God that he is bringing to us? So... I hope it's certainly the latter, that we will view this as God's word being shared through uh, a vessel.
Not only is the word to be shared, but it is to come in power. And now dropping back to chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know, what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And I will admit to you that the message for this morning took a little bit different turn than I was expecting. And I'll explain why. In the margins of my Bible, sometimes I write things uh, from years ago. And I found something in my margin as I prepared for this message. And it was this. Wendell H. 10.09.05. Evidently, Wendell Heatwell preached a message here, a Bible conference, 18 and a half years ago. And I wrote down the four points that he had in his message. And as I contemplated this passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and as I thought about Brother Wendell's four points, I thought that would make a good pre-revival sermon. At least I hope it would. So I called Brother Wendell yesterday, and I said, Brother Wendell, would you give me permission to use the four points in your message? Just use the four points, and I'll flesh it out. And he gave me permission, so I'd like to do that this morning. I'm going to go ahead and read the, uh, the passage, the first chapter, and then we'll get into the message. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Silas and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of love, I'm sorry, your work of faith and your labor of love and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how we turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come." The church here at, at the Thessalonica, they recognized that the message that they received from Paul was not just his word, but it was the word of God and it came with power. I guess I was thinking that if we truly followed this passage this coming week, and if we follow the four points that Brother Wendell had to share, we would have a recipe for revival. So that's the title of the message this morning, A Recipe for Revival. Now, if you will, 
I'll paraphrase. I don't know what Brother Leon's introductory comments would be tomorrow, but allow me to paraphrase verse 1. From Leon Miller into the church at the peak in February of 2023, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, greetings of grace and peace to each of you from the Lord Jesus and from the Strasburg Congregation from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I don't know what he'll say, but uh, I believe he will greet us and desire to share the word of God with us. I was really blessed as I thought about verse 2. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they had invested a lot in the church at Thessalonica. They loved the church. They prayed for the church. They commended the church. And when we're speaking about the church, we're thinking about the people. So I ask you, what proves your love for this church here at the peak? Well, I didn't have to think very long to think of some of the ways that you love the church. Not long ago, you as a congregation had a minister appreciation supper for us. And it went way over the top. And really, if you'd like to know it, it about brought me to tears. I appreciated it so much that y'all just went way out. And we appreciated it very much. Most of you, uh, the ladies especially in the the older ladies' Sunday school class, they prepared a bunch of food and gifts for Cheryl and Michael and their family. And when we were starting on our trip, we went to Michael and Cheryl's, and we, were, we had our luggage, and we had the gifts and the food from you all, and I wasn't sure if our car was big enough. We might have to get a bigger pickup or something. But the gifts and the food did fit in our vehicle. and uh, But we took it to Michael and Cheryl and their family, and it was like Christmas time. Uh, and so I'd just like to say thank you for the way that you all ministered to Michael and Cheryl and their family. Uh, it was a tremendous blessing. And then recently I saw on Sally's phone, I believe it was, some of the flyers that you ladies sent to Susie Fisher. Uh, very, that's only three that I'm thinking, and I know there's a lot of times that you all ministered within this congregation, and I want to commend you for that. It's a blessing to see how you love the church and how, you, uh, how that is played out as you uh, do those things within the congregation. In verse 5, the spoken word is important, but it is accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that Brother Leon, he isn't desiring to share the word with you, but it must be accompanied with the, Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if that's not present, there will be little change this next week. And what is the proof of the gospel? The proof of the gospel is changed lives. There's new goals and new ambitions and the power to live above the bondage of sin. We recognize that there are times when we will sin, but we don't live under the bondage of sin like we used to. But I would suggest to you that for us to receive the new, the old must go. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We need to make room for the new. The old must go. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So to make room for the new, the old has to go. I'd like to ask you a question. Is it possible that this next week we will hear some truth that will challenge our, some preconceived ideas? Are there times that we have preconceived ideas about a passage or some truth that an evangelist will bring and, you know, it, the truth maybe shoots over our head because it don't fit, you know, what we, uh, our understanding of that passage. It reminded me of a passage in Mark chapter 2 that I'd like to share with you. This is from the NIV and it says this. Mark chapter 2, verses 21 to 22. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. You know, there's a lot of people in Jesus' day that did not receive the blessings that Jesus had because what was presented did not fit their mindset or their mold of understanding. And I'm just asking you, is it possible that Brother Leon will have some things to share that we had never thought about or maybe some new wine that we had never considered before? Let's be open to view or Obviously, we want to have the direction of the Holy Spirit, but let's not be so set in our ways and our understanding that we miss some new truth that might come our way. Brother Wendell, um, I guess I didn't give you my first point. I guess I didn't give you Brother Wendell's first point. But it was this. The church at Thessalonica, they readily embraced the gospel. That is from verse 6. It says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord. What did they do having received the word? They readily embraced the gospel. The second point we find in verse 7, and that is that they willingly applied the gospel, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. The church there, not only did they receive the gospel, but they willingly applied the gospel. I think if we're going to have a good week, this coming week, we not only receive the gospel, but we must apply the gospel, just like they did there in Thessalonica. The Bible says that they became a, a pattern of the believer, other believers to follow. Obviously, they considered the word of God but they considered also the example of Paul and Silas and Timothy, and they followed in that manner. Let me ask you, is it dangerous to receive of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to do nothing with what you have received? Is it dangerous to receive something and do nothing with it? Matthew 25 would answer that question for us. You know in the parable of the talents, you know how that one man received five talents, one man received two talents, and another man received one talent. I'd like to read 
what happened to the man who had received one talent. And brothers and sisters, I don't know how you feel, but I believe you know how the man that had received five, five talents, he said, the, my five talents have gained another five, and he was commended. The second man, he had received two talents, and he was commended. And I personally believe if the man who had received one talent had went back to his Lord and he said, Lord, your talent, I have gained another talent with my talent, I believe he would have been commended for that. But what did he do? He went out and hid it. I'm asking you, is it dangerous for us to receive something from the gospel and do nothing with it? Matthew chapter 25, verse 25, the Bible says, And I was afraid, and I went and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. Drop down to verse 27. The Lord said, Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brothers and sisters, it's dangerous for us to receive. Brother Leon, to bring something here and us to receive it and to do nothing with it. That's a dangerous thing to do. How did the church at Thessalonica not only receive the gospel, but willingly applied the gospel? I like what it says here in verse 3. There was a sequence here of what they did. Remembering without ceasing your work of love, yeah, I'm sorry, work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. When they received the, the work of faith, it seems to me that it's reception, something that they received. And to receive the benefits of the gospel, you must first, to, to receive the benefits, you must first accept and receive the gospel. And there were people in Jesus' day who would not accept what had happened? Let's look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 and 38. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto you, how oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks, chickens under her wings, and ye would not. But look at what happened, verse 38. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Jesus did not fit their understanding, and they did not receive from him the benefits that they could have had because Jesus didn't fit their mold of understanding. Let's look. What about Jesus in his hometown? Those that knew him when he grew up. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. And he went unto... And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. 
But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. So I sure hope that what we hear this coming week that we will be open to receive and then we we can receive those benefits if we accept by faith. The third point of the message we find in verse 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we would not need to speak anything. The church at Thessalonica enthusiastically radiated the gospel. Maybe you have heard this phrase. Maybe you can finish this phrase for me. O consistency, thou art a jewel. Did I hear? That's correct. The congregation, the the church here at Thessalonica, they were consistent. And Paul commends them for their consistent testimony. The church there radiated a love for Christ wherever they were at. Not only at Jerusalem, yet not Thessalonica, or Jerusalem, or Judea, or the uttermost parts of the earth. Wherever they were at, they radiated the gospel. It seems that the church took advantage of the opportunities to radiate the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they were at. And I ask you, do we? You know, maybe among ourselves here, we can radiate the gospel. Well, what about tomorrow? What about when we are in our workplace? What about when we are on our trip? What about whatever? Are we radiating a gospel wherever we are? Evidently, this congregation, this church at Thessalonica were radiating the gospel. And when I think of the word radiant or think of heat, how many of you have ever been cold or chilly and have taken a shirt or a dress and thrown it in the dryer for 20 minutes and you're chilly on the evening and, and you bring that out and you put it on, oh, that feels so good. Um, or I think about little chickens when we start chickens. If it's chilly, obviously the, the birds congregate where there's warmth. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's people. There could be people within this congregation, this auditorium this morning, that has radiated toward the warmth. They have come because of the warmth that they feel from you as a congregation, not because of what are you producing on your own, but because of the love of Christ within your heart. And in your life, I believe we have some here this morning. You know, we have a lot of opportunities in our world today. And I'll share one that happened. Um, Sally and I was down in Florida, and I went to buy a coffee from one of those little portable stands. And there was a lady ahead of me, and I really would have liked to talked to her more than I did but anyway she was ahead of me and I thought well this would be a little opportunity maybe I could buy her coffee and I told the lady that was taking care of the cash register you know is it okay that I pay for this lady's coffee 
And she turned around and then was really wanted to talk then. But I noticed she had on a, uh, a cap on her head. And, you know, it was 80 or 85 degrees. And I was kind of wondering why this lady had this, this woolen cap over her head. And it really made me to think, you know, has she gone through something like Cheryl has gone through? And I was, I was too timid to get, well, I didn't know her at all, and she didn't know me. And so I didn't want to pry into her life. But I really wondered, you know, has this lady gone through some very difficult experience that we could share a little something with her, something small. And also, I don't know if that was that same day or not, um, I was at McDonald's, and we got got a little bit to eat, and I bought two apple fritters, and they were bigger than I thought they were. And... We were getting ready to leave the parking lot, and there was a lady there holding up a sign, anything will help or something. You've seen them. And Sally said, let's give an apple fritter to that that lady. And so I went around and, and pulled up to her and handed her the apple fritter, and I said, in the name of Jesus. And she said, Jesus loves you too. Well, yes, you're right. She but I'm just saying there's so many opportunities that we have. Um, maybe we should not be praying, Lord, help me to have more opportunities to share. But I think for me, I should be praying, Lord, help me to be more sensitive to the opportunities that come my way. Because if we look and open our eyes, there's a lot of opportunities for us to share uh, the goodness of Jesus Christ. God has been so good, overflowing his blessings to us. We can't contain all those blessings. Are we willing to open our fingers and share the many opportunities that come our way? Let's pray that the Lord would help us to be sensitive to the opportunities that are there. You know, one of the great cries in our society today, maybe not verbalized, but they want to know, do you care? There's a lot of people, your neighbors or various ones, They want to know, do you care? You think of Brother Dave prayed about those in Ukraine and and Russia. There's tremendous amount of of needs in our world today. Maybe you get flyers like this that come in the mail from CAM and the devastation in, in Turkey and Syria and the refugees. And what do we do? Do we turn a blind eye? And I'm not saying you have to respond to everything that comes in your mail. But I'm saying there's a lot of hurting people in our world today, and I'm also saying they want to know, do you care? There's a lot of people that are hurting today. Jesus said in Matthew 25, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Let's pray that God would help us to be sensitive. The last point of the message, the church at Thessalonica expectantly awaited the consummation of the gospel. Verses 9 and 10, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we have had unto you, and how we turn to God, and how ye turn from God, from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. 
You know, whether from Timothy or Silas or from other believers, it was reported back to Paul of the genuine faith of the congregation or the church there at Thessalonica. And you know, I believe that was a tremendous encouragement and a tremendous confirmation to a church planner that we call Paul. It reminds me of the words that we have in the Apostle John. 3 John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we as a ministry may hear something about you all, of how you all have reached out and blessed somebody else. And that is encouraging. That is tremendously encouragement encouragement to us as leaders to, to hear of the genuine faith that you have, not only that you have, but you are extending and sharing with others. And that is important. Not only was the faith at the church at Thessalonica being proved genuine, they were expectantly awaiting the consummation of the gospel. They were recognizing that the soon coming of the Lord and the coming judgment, and it had a purifying effect on the church there. And brothers and sisters, as you and I recognize, the coming of the Lord is near. It should do the same for us. It should have a purifying effect effect on your life and on mine. So in conclusion, to you, my brothers and sisters, what are we expecting from this coming week? Are we eagerly anticipating being fed from the word and growing in our Christian life? Or are the revivals an unfortunate interruption in our regular schedule? you probably will receive exactly what you're looking for. Remember the story in the beginning? The two men, they found exactly what they're looking for. And I believe it'll be the same. Will it be an interruption or will it be a blessing, a tremendous opportunity for us to grow in our faith and our Christian experience? You'll find what you're looking for next week. So what is our recipe for revival for this week? If we follow the word of God as we think about this church at Thessalonica, what did they do? Number one, they readily received. Number two, they willingly applied the gospel. Number three, they enthusiastically radiated the gospel, the word of God. And number four, they were expectantly awaiting the consummation of the gospel or the coming of Jesus Christ. God has promised that the word preached this coming week will not be ineffective, but it will accomplish his purposes. And may our lives be enriched. May God's kingdom be expanded during this coming week of revival meetings. May God bless us to that end. Shall we have a song?